From the outside looking in, how is it on this day? We call it Good Friday. How is it that we commemorate the death of Jesus Christ and call it good? When do you ever call the death of someone that you love or you admire good? And yet, Jesus said this is for the very reason that he came. He came to die. The teachings of Jesus are amazing. They are fantastic. And what he taught is respected and honored around the world and studied. But if it was just about what Jesus taught, if that was the sum of it all, we would not be here today. Yes, Jesus came to teach. Yes, he came to model what he taught. But most supremely, he came to die. He told us that. John, one of his disciples who walked closely with him, wrote later that this was the glorification of Jesus when he would go to the cross and die. Then he was glorified. Now, the disciples didn't get it in the moment. It didn't make sense to them either. In one of the other Gospels, one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus, Matthew, in his Gospel in chapter 16, he recalls this incident where Jesus is with his disciples, and, and Jesus says to them, who do, who do people say that I am? And they answer, and then he says, who do you say that I am? Peter, one of the most outgoing, brash disciples among the group, says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, you are the anointed one. You're the one that the people of Israel have been looking forward to. And Jesus said, you're right. Blessed are you, Peter, for this has been revealed to you by my Father. How good. The scripture then says in Matthew's account, from that time on, Jesus began to tell his disciples that he was going to go to Jerusalem, that he would be confronted by the religious leaders of his day, and that he would die. In other words, from that time on, once, once his disciples got the identity of Jesus right, they needed to understand his purpose rightly, that he came to die. Peter didn't get it in the moment, and he says, No, no, Lord, far be it from you. This shall never happen to you. It's so opposite to the plan of God in Jesus' life that Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. In other words, what you're saying is so completely opposed to God, it's like it's satanic. Jesus came to die. That was his mission. And he taught and he modeled how to live on the way. But supremely, it was his mission to come to die. And as the disciples saw after the cross and what happened after his death, how they saw how everything unfolded, later they would write, having understood, and later they would live in light of this, that Easter is the climax of the path to glory and it flows through death and it's on this weekend, on this day, Friday that we celebrate it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest, this is speaking of Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. It's not uncommon uh, for me to be in a conversation with someone and talking politics or what's going on globally and, and for people to wonder, what is going on? It's easy to think, like, given what's going on in our world, where is God? Like, has he abandoned this world? 
or maybe more close to home when when we are going through a struggle, whether it's a relationship that's gone sour, whether it's our finances that aren't doing so well, or whether we've encountered a battle with health. It's, it's tempting to think, like, I'm alone in this. And where is God in the struggle? Because we all struggle, don't we? If we are really honest, we all struggle. I struggle with the unknown of what the future brings. One thing that I've struggled with throughout my life is gossip. I, in the past, struggled with um, miscarriages and infertility for a number of years. Am I allowed to say everything? I struggle with everything, all the time. Because of that struggle with the future, it leads me to worrying about my plans and what I want to do with my life. So when I struggle with gossip, it's because I either usually have resentment built up in my heart towards someone or I want to build a connection with someone at the other person's expense, someone else's expense. And so the temptation is to, yeah, compromise in my words for selfish reasons. When I was struggling with uh, miscarriages and then infertility, I had many temptations. I was tempted to not trust God, to not trust that He had a plan for our lives. I. I struggled with um, trying to be independent in, in solutions. I just overall was really worried and concerned and stressed about it and not trusting God. When I struggle with anything, I'm always tempted to give in um, in regards to all the concussion stuff that I have to deal with. It's just really tempting to just want to give up. Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist, also a professor at the University of Toronto. Uh, chances are you've heard of him. He's become somewhat of a worldwide phenomena, um, partly because he speaks so um, abruptly and against the political correctness. But I think it's more than that. I think people resonate with him because he talks about how life can be difficult and how we respond to that. Recently, he was invited to a Christian educational institute, Liberty University, where in their convocation, he said that most people, even as individuals, have one serious problem that they are dealing with. See, life can be great. I mean, we can... We can have great experiences, fun, laughter, friends, travel, vacations. But there's this other side of life that's real. There are struggles. There are things that as we just do life, that we go through that are going to test us and they're going to try us and they're going to make things difficult for us. And as we remember Good Friday and Jesus and who he is, and what he did, and that he came to die. 
we need to know this, that the eternal God became one of us and entered into our struggle. This is profound. That the divine ruler of the universe knows, he understands your struggle. Recently I was at a wedding. I was invited at the last minute. I don't know what that says about my relationship with the bride. But I was invited at the last minute. I was told I was on the list, but I got cut, you know. So anyways, I went. Uh, My connection was the bride, didn't know the groom's family at all, didn't know most of the people there at the wedding. And so uh, at the reception, or actually the, the, the pre before, um, I'm around and I don't know anybody, but, you know, I'm introducing and saying hello. And, but I feel so disconnected amongst that group of unfamiliar faces. But at one point, I, I shook hands with this man. He was a little older than me, but I could tell this guy's pretty buff for his age. And we started to talk, and so you can get past the weather and you get into space sports and hey I, I realized we had the, we had this common connection so we started to talk hockey and and we realized that we both had played you know some serious hockey at one point and in fact he was still playing and he was coaching and so we, we we talked about that and then I don't know how this happened so if you're you know if you're a teenager or early 20s or whatever th- just know this is going to happen to you at some point in your life but at some point in your life I mean toddlers do this at some point in your life, you again, you talk about your owies. And so it just happened in our conversation that we talked about a particular owie that's rather rare, that both he and I have suffered in our sport activity. You see, uh, in my early 30s, I ripped up my left hamstring water skiing. There are three strands to your hamstring. I won't get into all the medical details, but basically some of the strands of my hamstring became detached. And in that injury, my, uh, my whole leg went black and blue from the hip to the ankle. And we're sharing that. We both experienced this like it was amazing, a shared experience, a bonding. As we're talking, I, I knew he got me and I got him. More seriously, as a pastor, you know, over the years, um, you, you, you are a shepherd. You, you have people that you care for and that you love, and you want to deeply care for them. And I thought I really did. But when you go through a tragedy yourself, and you lose a loved one to cancer, you realize what you didn't know. And what you couldn't feel, because you couldn't, because you hadn't been there. That's not our God. That's not our Jesus that we're remembering today. We're remembering a Jesus who has been there, who gets you, who gets your struggle, who understands it in every way the Scripture says. He is a high priest. In other words, he represents you before God. He is the God-man. He is both God and man. And as as the God-man, he represents you before God as, as the perfect priest who totally understands you because he's been there, yet without sin, the Scripture says. Last November, I was in Israel had the privilege, and one of the biggest highlights for me was to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, or what they believe is to be the Garden of Gethsemane, and there to look over the valley and see Jerusalem 
And what we often did is we went to different sites. Uh, my friend and I, who was my tour guide, we would take the Bible and we would read the scriptures of, that, were, that were applicable to the location that we were in. This morning we heard the words out of Matthew 22. When Jesus tells his disciple, I'm sorrowful unto death. And I sat there in that place with hundreds of people milling about. I mean, it seems so disrespectful what's going on there. But I sat in that place, moved to think, this was the place where Jesus went to war. Where he battled in, in the temptation to abort, abort, abort God's will. Knowing what laid ahead of him. Knowing that the cross, the, the shadow was looming larger and larger. But he went there. And he submitted himself to the Father and he obeyed. Hebrews chapter 5, later in verse 7, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. This seems to be referring to Jesus, if not in Gethsemane, then on the cross when he cried out, as he entrusted himself to the Father, that the Father would resurrect him from death. He has entered into struggle in ways that you and I will never understand so that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He gets you. He understands you. Hebrews, at the beginning of this section in in verse 14, says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession Not only is he one who understands our struggles, but he is also one who can do something about our struggles. It says he has passed through the heavens. This is a a reference to his, his resurrection and ascension. He has, death could not hold him, as we're going to talk about more fully on Sunday. Death could not hold him. He is a victorious one. So he not only can empathize with your struggles. You know, it's so great when a friend can do that. They can empathize. They can comfort you, can encourage you. But can they do anything about your situation? We have a great high priest who can. He has entered into the heavens so that not only is he with you in your struggle, but you can bring your struggle to him and he can do something about it. Verse 16, the end of this chapter says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This morning, as we think about our lives and we think about the struggles that we go through, sometimes it's so easy for us to try to fix things on our own, to, to make our effort and, and, to, and to somehow, you know, figure it out by our own capabilities. Or sometimes we think that we could never go to God with what we're struggling with because, well, part of the reason we're in a struggle, it's our own doing and we feel bad about that. We feel ashamed about it. Scripture says, no, you can go to him who struggled on your behalf so that you can bring your struggle to him. So have you ever experienced shame or do you feel shame right now? Jesus endured shame. 
If you ever feel betrayed, if someone close to you just betrayed you, Jesus was betrayed. Have you ever felt that you're, the, you're getting the wrong end of the stick? You've been treated unjustly. The trial of Jesus was, a, was the breaking of all justice. It was atrocious. Have you ever felt abandoned, alone? On the cross, Jesus says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He gets your struggle, and he's inviting you to bring your struggle to him so he can do something about it, even this morning. Today, as part of our um, practice on Good Friday, we celebrate what is called communion or the Lord's Supper On the night before he was crucified, betrayed and crucified, Jesus met with his disciples. They had a Passover meal, which was a tradition within uh, the Jewish faith. And uh, Jesus took the bread and he gave it a new meaning. He took the cup and he gave it a new meaning. He transformed that event. The body of Jesus was represented now in the bread. And his blood would now be represented in the cup. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this knowing what I've done for you. And as we partake of it this morning, I invite all those who are followers of Jesus and you have faith in him, you're invited into this. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and would like to, I invite you to participate in this. And if not, if you're not there yet, then just you can just sit back and take in all that's going on this morning. But this is our opportunity. What's your struggle Do we all have a struggle? I have a struggle. What's your struggle? Don't try to fix it on your own. Don't try to do it on your own. Bring it to him who knows your struggle and can do something about it. As we take uh, communion this morning, I invite you. We're going to have lots of time to do this. Uh, Partake and and just... uh, converse with God and pray to him and and just allow him for his grace to minister to your life today. Here's how we're going to do it. You can see there's three stations up front here in the balcony. We have, I think, one or two stations up there. So uh, in the balcony, it's a free-for-all because you're that kind of people. God bless you. Uh, Down here, Okay, so uh, these two center sections, you're going to come down the center aisle and not go back the way you came. Do you understand that? So what does that mean? If you come down the center aisle and not go back the way you came, you probably go down that aisle there or that aisle there. On the outside uh, sections here, come down the outside and then go back the inside. Does that make sense? Okay, and if, if, you, if you have mo- uh, mobility issues and, and you're not able to do this because there'll be a lineup, it's going to take time, there's going to be some standing, we're going to have some people wandering around that, will, that can serve you right where you are. Just make eye contact with them, wave your hands. Um, this, is, uh, this is our opportunity to come to the throne of grace this morning, to find help in our struggle, in our time of need. Jesus is inviting us into that. It's going to be a few minutes yet till we do this. A couple of things yet to do, but let me uh, pray for us to that end right now. Father, we thank you so much that you gave us your son. Jesus, I thank you for your obedience. I thank you that you loved us so much you were willing to go to the cross. You were willing to die for us knowing what would be beyond that. That you would pass through the heavens, be our great high priest representative. 
and meet us in our struggle and give us grace to help whenever, wherever we need it. Lord, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would enable your people to come boldly this morning for your namesake. Amen.